Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Southwest Airlines under the microscope. Pilots now speaking out about flight delays. Customer service employees, well, they get a pretty good collective bargaining agreement. Today on the show, latest from the heat and frost insulators and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Welcome to the Wednesday, December 28th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora and Stitcher. Pete Almini is going to be our first guest on the show, longtime supporter and sponsor of America's Workforce. He comes to us as executive director of the International Association of Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers, LMCT. That's a labor management trust. Last time we had Pete on the show, which was a month ago, he talked about the introduction of the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act, and it was about to be introduce well it's now introduced it's hr 9419 and it's going to be reintroduced into the new congress that's how it goes when uh, congress gets a a new bunch of uh, elected officials in there and apparently pete has informed us that it is gathering this legislation is gathering support from a number of of congressional representatives on both sides of the aisle. That's a good thing. Good thing. Why do we want this? Well, this will be huge for the industry if passed. It encourages or actually requires the use of apprenticeship and training programs that will offer not just jobs, but careers to many people in the United States. Combine that with 10 years plus of guaranteed infrastructure work, Pete says now is the time to get involved in union-trained apprenticeship programs. Why do we talk about mechanical insulation? I'll tell you, there's a lot of information posted on various uh, websites, but in a nutshell, I'm just going to run down uh, six of them. Mechanical insulation saves money. Think about that. You insulate your home. Why? Save energy costs. Kind of the same way here. Insulating your mechanical equipment is cost efficient. Your return on investment starts immediately after installation. Again, that installation has to be done properly. Skilled union labor. That's what we're going to talk about more on the show. Mechanical insulation reduces energy consumption. Mechanical insulation is better for the environment. If it's properly installed, it protects the environment. It's also going green. How many times have you heard that in the last couple of years? Mechanical insulation creates a healthier workplace. It improves indoor air quality. We all want that, right? Mechanical insulation protects against black mold and condensation. I mean, we there's so many good things about this. Pete's going to run it down, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the halls of Congress moving this through the House and the Senate and hopefully for President Biden's signature. James Brandt will be joining us later in the show on behalf of Teamsters Local 651. 
And um, they're based in Lexington, Kentucky. Teamsters651.org is their website. We had uh, James on the show a couple months back. We're going to get an update on the uh, UPS situation. Now, the Teamsters and the UPS uh, negotiators are at it right now. This is huge. This is going to be a big story in 2023. The package division is the Teamsters' largest division, serving hundreds of thousands of members throughout North America. And UPS, United Parcel Service, is the single largest employer in the Teamsters Union. The division is responsible for ensuring that management abides by the UPS Master Agreement. The contract is the largest private collective bargaining agreement in North America. How about that? That division represents UPS package car drivers, air drivers, feeder drivers, part-time loaders, unloaders, sorters, clerks, as well as mechanics. Now, it's my understanding that contract comes to an end in July. I don't have the exact date. Jim will probably have some more information on that. Jim is a 28-year Teamster and uh, has been very, very involved in the Teamsters Union. Last time we had him on the show, we talked about the new leadership. Sean O'Brien took over the Teamsters after the retirement of James Hoffa. This was in uh, March of this year. And they're all fired up. Teamsters over uh, 1 million members. And I, I mentioned the package division. That's one of 19 divisions in the Teamsters. Well, let me just run this down here. You got the Express Division, Airline, Amazon. They, they created a, one division just for Amazon to uh, organize that company. You got the Brewery, Bakery, Soft Drink Division, Car haulers, uh, building materials, construction trades, convention, trade show, casinos. They got the freight division. We've talked about that a lot, especially uh, with the rail. It's all part of the same group there. Food processing, graphic communications, motion picture industry, industrial trades, passenger transportation, public services, solid waste, tank haul, and warehousing. That's a lot. That's a lot for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. So uh, James Bryant will be our second guest on the show today. Now for a brief look into the world of labor, the segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Well, the big story in the country has been Southwest Airlines and all the problems they incurred because of the weather. And you wonder, okay, there's other airlines out there. Why aren't they having problems? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of talk going on right now. We had uh, Tommy Buffenbarger on the show yesterday. Tommy knows the airline industry all too well. He has seen many airlines come and go, bankruptcies over the years. The machinists were involved when he was the uh, head of the machinist union with various airlines. And bottom line is that a number of people are saying the company has not updated a lot of the information technology behind it. Now, when you talk to the PR people at Southwest, they're blaming the weather. 
Okay, why is it that other airlines did not have this problem? Listen to these numbers here. Southwest canceled more than 70% of its flights on Monday, more than 60% on Tuesday, yesterday, and warned that it would operate just over a third of its usual schedule in the days ahead to allow crews to get back to where they need to be. So bottom line is almost nine out of 10 flights that got canceled were Southwest flights. American United Delta and JetBlue suffered cancellation rates somewhere between zero and 2% yesterday. So what's the problem? Well, the president of the union representing Southwest pilots blamed the lack of crews to fly planes on scheduling software written in the 1990s. How about that? Also, management that he said failed to fix things after previous meltdowns, including major disruptions back in October of 2021. I remember that. There was a lot of problems. Captain Casey Murray is a member of the Pilots Union. He said, there's a lot of frustration because this is so preventable. The airline cannot connect crews to airplanes. I'm concerned about this coming weekend. I'm concerned about a month from now. Well... This has caught the attention of the Department of Transportation. They tweeted out yesterday that it was concerned by Southwest's unacceptable rate of cancellations and delays in reports of lack of prompt customer service. The tweet said the department would look into whether Southwest could have done anything about the cancellations and whether the airline was complying with its customer service plan. Well, sounds like their software needs some updating, don't you think? Wow. You know, in our conversation with uh, Tom Buffenbarger yesterday, we talked about the management changes at Southwest after the passing of their CEO some years ago. And obviously, they did not have their eye on the ball when it comes to uh, situations like uh, what happened in the country over the weekend with this crazy blizzard. Well, there is some good news for Southwest Airline customer service employees. They overwhelmingly ratified a new five-year collective bargaining agreement that includes an immediate 13.1% wage increase. The agreement covers 8,300 customer representatives and service agents, which includes a 25.1% general wage increase over four years, which the International Association of Machinists says will put its members at the top of the airline industry's pay scale for customer service employees. The labor deal also includes other benefits, such as higher bonuses and improved mandatory overtime protection for all employees. Adam Carlisle, vice president of labor relations at the airline, said in a statement, the company is extremely pleased. We can reward them with this new contract, which demonstrates the value that they bring to Southwest and is designed to give us additional efficiencies to operate our airline. Well, keep in mind, this this posting came out before this weekend. Airlines are still working to hire more employees to address rising travel demand, 
followed by the sharp decline after the start of COVID-19 in early 2020. So at least uh, some people are benefiting at this stage. You know, last week we talked about this uh, Warehouse Worker Protection Act signed into law in New York State, and I got some more information on uh, on the uh, the law itself. And uh, the information is coming from the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union that pushed for this, and they report unsafe work speeds, unreasonable work quotas, dangerous work, and insufficient breaks all have contributed to the skyrocketing rate of injuries and sickness in the warehousing industry, which is why the union pushed for the introduction of the Warehouse Worker Protection Act. Well, last week, that uh, that piece of legislation was signed into law by New York's governor, Kathy Hochul. The legislation will help protect workers from inhumane quotas and prevent workers from being disciplined if they fail to achieve these quotas due to the worker meeting basic human needs like going to the bathroom or getting a drink of water. Stuart Applebaum is the president of the warehouse union. He said warehouse facilities are popping up all across New York. It's staggering numbers. Amazon, Amazon alone has opened more than 70 facilities in the state and over half of those facilities have been built since January of 2021. That's less than two years ago. At the same time, Stewart said we have seen increased stress, pain, and resulting safety issues for warehouse workers due to those crazy quotas. Due to extreme, unknown, and unreasonable work quotas, warehouse workers have suffered heart attacks, strokes, repetitive motion injuries, and irreparable lifelong joint and back pain. At Amazon, the injury rate is 54% higher than the average rate for the state's warehousing industry. And even that is a staggering misrepresentation of the reality given how many injuries at Amazon go unreported. Today, we have achieved a big win for worker safety. Thank you to the bill's sponsors, and that would be New York State Senator Jessica Ramos and Assemblymember LaToya Joyner for their leadership on this common-sense health and safety bill, along with the New York State Legislature for passing this critical safety measure and the governor for signing it into law. The Warehouse Worker Protection Act can start helping workers who need it now more than ever. That quote from uh, Stuart Applebaum, who heads the warehouse union. And that's primarily why people, so many young people that are working at Amazon, the Amazon Labor Union, is trying to organize at Amazon because of what I just said. So the good news here is what the union could not do. I mean, they're trying desperately, let's be honest. At least the legislature is picking up the ball and saying enough is enough. We got to stop this craziness in warehouses. And that's just one state. You got 49 more to go. All right, quick break. Pete Almini on behalf of the heat and frost insulators coming up next. This is America's Workforce.
It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll-free at 1-800-443-3752. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. All right, let's go to New Jersey and welcome my Jersey guy, Pete Almini, on behalf of the Heat and Frost Insulators, where he serves as Executive Director of the Labor Management Trust website. Mechanical Insulators, LMCT.com. And the good news is we have some legislation that's been introduced, but being so late in the congressional session, it has to be reintroduced. Mr. Almini, Brother Pete, how are we doing today? Hey, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. How is your holiday, brother? Oh, my holiday is great. It's uh, filled with tradition and family and, and friends and much like many of our uh, listeners around the country. And it's, it's a way to get recharged. And we're there all you go. set for a busy year. Yeah, busy year. A lot of organizing this year and looking forward to uh, 2023. A lot of good policies came out of Washington that uh, we've discussed on this show. But right now, I want to talk about this uh, Federal Mechanical Insulation Act, H.R. 9419, you and I talked about it last month, saying it's going to be introduced any day, and it was. And uh, because it was so late, we got to do it all over again. Why don't you just give us some details what uh, what this is all about, Pete, and why we need it? Go ahead. Sure. Um, yes, last month when we talked about it, it was it was just about to be introduced by Congresswoman Linda Sanchez from California, and. Uh, when the bill is introduced, it doesn't even have a bill number yet uh, at the time when you submit it, but it was submitted. And then several days later, uh, it got an official number, which is 9419. And it was early January when it was introduced. 
you know, some may say, and some have said, well, why, why introduce a bill so late in the congressional session? And that's a, it's a valid question, and something I even ask myself. But to many political experts, it's, it was heavily accepted that anytime you have an opportunity to submit a bill in Congress, you do it. Because it's so hard to get something introduced in some cases. And to reintroduce it is relatively uh, easier than introducing the new bill. So with all that being said, uh, although the bill was introduced and it has a number, uh, one of the first things that will be done with the new Congress is to reintroduce 9419 with all of the original co-signers and the supporters and to have it reintroduced, they'll get a new number. So then we have two years to be able to work on it. But a lot of the groundwork and the foundation work has been taken care of and all that has to be done will we'll be to reintroduce it. And according to uh, Congresswoman Linda Sanchez, you know, there's not going to be a problem with reintroducing it. So, uh, with that being said, we're, we're, we're looking to add on to this, looking for uh, additional supporters from from Congress. Uh, we have about 10 Congress people that have signed on as official supporters, and we're looking to obviously get more. And I've already sat down with uh, several Republicans. Uh, that are going to be new to Congress, and they don't seem to have an issue with it whatsoever, as I don't think anybody really has an issue with it when you consider what it's doing. And it's, I know it's a term that's overly used, but it's, in this case, it's, it's also applicable that it's bipartisan. It is a, it is a bill that is um, all but two and a half pages long, so it's not filled with other entities that may compromise its intention. I mean, we hear about bills and that are 4,000 pages and the title's different than what it actually represents. You know, and a, that generates a lot of a lot of confusion and controversy. I mean, this bill is, is relatively short. It's two and a half pages. It's, it's very simple. Its intention is uh, very simple to be able to make mechanical insulation, make it aware of its uh, predominant capability of saving energy and saving costs and producing jobs. And it's basically something that everybody knows we should be doing conserving energy. It's just that this bill is going to accentuate the fact that we're putting a label on one of the commodities, and that's going to be mechanical insulation and mm-hmm. trying to take that term and take our industry out of the shadows and make people realize that this is an important energy conservation commodity of mechanical insulation. It's piggybacking on existing uh, energy conservation laws. It's just specifying that, you know, we also have to look at mechanical insulation. Right. Pete, if you don't mind, could we get in some details on um, on the meat of this? Now, from what I understand, this will involve just federal buildings, and obviously 
the workers would have to complete a union apprenticeship program. They'd have to go through the heat and frost insulators. Can you uh, give us some more details on that? Absolutely. Uh, and you're correct. This is, it's called the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act, and it's only going to affect federal buildings. And I also like to add any time that federal money is going to be used on a project. Now, what that means means that it's, this is not going to apply to uh, the private sector where uh, a company owns a building and mechanical insulation is going to be required to be utilized and inspected. It will not. However, it will for federally owned buildings or any, any building project that federal money is going to be used on. And that's extremely uh, advantageous for all of us when you consider that for the next, for the next decade, we're going to be building infrastructure in this country uh, like no other time. And the amount of money from the federal government that's going to be used on these federal projects is going to be massive. And it's going to be used to increase our infrastructure of our great country. And that doesn't mean just roads and bridges. It means buildings, and, and it means facilities, and it means um, software companies and buildings and, and um, storage units. I mean, it's, it's going to be immense. Uh, and it's going to require that people are going to be utilized to install um, mechanical insulation that goes through an apprenticeship program. And an apprenticeship program is not something that's exclusive to the insulator, insulators. It's all of the other 14 building trades. And for centuries, it's been pro proven that the best way to learn a skilled craft, construction craft, is through apprenticeship training. That means you learn in the field as well as you learn in the classroom, and you learn under the uh, tutelage of seasoned journeymen. And this is the best way to be able to learn a craft. And there's going to be an explosion of uh, construction jobs coming in the next decade. This is the ideal time for anyone interested in looking for a career in mechanical insulation and, dare I say, even in construction as a whole. Um, find out where your apprenticeship programs are and, and apply to them. And we don't, you know, it's, it's commonly here in the media, you hear it on the TV news, you hear it in the, on, on the social media about how we're going to create jobs. And I hate that term, creating jobs. Creating jobs to me is a, is a temporary notion where uh, government throws money on a certain project and they take a photo op of everyone that has a job and everyone congratulates themselves and they walk away. And the job is finished. Because in construction, believe it or not, every job is temporary. You know, where do these people go after these jobs were created? When we talk about our union labor, we talk about our apprenticeship programs, we don't train people for one job. We don't train people for that photo op. We train people for a lifetime career in, in the craft of mechanical insulation. So do the other apprenticeship programs. And with the union and with the apprenticeship program and the training that is received, once we complete one job, 
our workforce is ready to go on the next project. And it goes on to the next project and on and on it goes. And it goes on for a lifetime. So if you, anyone, and you should be looking for a, a lifetime career, a career that's going to give you decent wages and benefits that you need to be able to live in the middle class, this is the opportunity to be able to get involved in our apprenticeship programs. You'll, you'll be trained for a, a career of a lifetime. Again, it's the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act introduced in the halls of Congress. will be reintroduced next year. But there is more. We're going to talk about fire stop inspections, and apparently Pete is working with the Housing and Urban Development Department on that one. We'll continue our conversation with Pete Almini later in the show. James Bryant will be joining us on behalf of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. Now. Back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just do this. Sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those ratings, so please keep them coming. And remember, if you like a show, please share that show. We count all the downloads, our sponsors like that. We want to grow the show. And this has been in a tremendous year. 2022 has been a tremendous year for growth of America's workforce. We want to continue that in 2023 and beyond. Let's go back to our live line. Rejoin Pete Almini on behalf of the International Association of Heat and Frost Insulators. He serves as executive director of the Labor Management Trust website. I want to drive you to is Mechanical Insulators, LMCT.com. Mechanical Insulators, that's plural, lmct.com all right pete we talked about the federal mechanical insulation act now what's this about uh, 
fire stop inspection. And apparently uh, this involves, um, I guess, the federal government as well, Department of Housing and Urban Development. So uh, you're trying to uh, move the needle in the right direction here, continue uh, the uh, the lobbying in Congress. What's the story on this one, Pete? Yes, to uh, much to my surprise uh, in my investigation of trying to promote fire stopping technologies. In fact, it was I personally got involved in this um, very passionately as a result of a, of a tragic fire that happened in New York City on January 9th of this year. Believe it or not, it's coming up on an anniversary. And what happened in New York City is is very common to, to every city across the country. It was a nine-story building. There was a, uh, was a fire in one apartment on the third floor. The fire never spread anywhere outside of that one apartment. But the smoke traveled throughout that building and up into that building, and 17 people were killed, 17 uh, families were killed, members. Some of them were children. And, and again, it just, it just caught me just after the holidays of last year, you know, in the year 2022, why are we still dealing with the spread of fire and smoke within our buildings where our building products and our technology should not allow this to happen? And to find out that it was a, uh, a HUD building, a building that is sponsored by the federal government to make housing affordable for uh, inner city families so they can have a nice home. And the money is given out from the federal government and keeps the rent relatively low so people can afford a nice home. And you would think that when people are doing this, they're walking into a safe building to find out that the inspection process of these buildings are quite suspect. And without getting to other areas of the inspection, the one area that I was looking into was lack of fire stopping. And there are no inspections from HUD to ensure that the fire stop systems are installed where they should be. There's no inspection process uh, whatsoever. And real quickly, fire stop systems are designed so that Buildings are designed with fire-rated walls, and they're, and they're designed in a way not to permit smoke and fire to spread from unit to unit. And it's engineered the way it's supposed to be, but naturally construction technology is going to require that holes are put into these walls to service either piping or electrical or heating and ventilating considerations. As soon as you put a hole through that wall and you put a pipe in there, that's gotta generate a hole. And it's gonna generate a way of passage of smoke and fire to go from one compartment of a building to another. And that's what has to be inspected to make sure that one, it was properly installed to begin with, two, to make sure that someone did not remove it for whatever reason, usually some sort of renovation, Mm-hmm. Or three, maybe a new someone did do a renovation project and they and they uh, punctured a hole or they 
somehow compromise that fire rate and wall, there should be a way, and it has to be a way, to make sure that these these penetrations and these fire rated walls are properly sealed up. It is to to me, it's 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 absolutely unnecessary that people are dying in a nine story building because the fire was on the third floor. That doesn't yeah. make sense to us. And and we have the technology. All we have to do is make sure that it's properly installed. Pete, this sounds like a no-brainer to me. I'm just wondering. Now, Marsha Fudge, who used to be a congressional representative from the Cleveland, Ohio area for many, many years, I I know she's got to be in tune with what's going on here. What's the next step? Have you got her attention on this? And obviously, this is something that you can work on in the new year, right? Yes, we we do have her attention, and we're getting tremendous help from uh, Congress, people's representatives, such as uh, uh, Congressman Cleaver, um, been very influential in addressing our issues with the uh, HUD Secretary Fudge. Um, we've had, I've had several meetings uh, with HUD officials, and everyone that we met uh, you know, it, it, it's an educational experience for them. You know, they don't they don't realize it, and I and and I welcome that. I don't. I'll, I'll educate people twenty four seven on what they should know, and that's that's the problem. We don't we don't have that level of understanding sometimes for the people that make our our decisions. Um, another another congresswoman, very influential with us, has been Congresswoman Axney. And uh, very unfortunate that she did not get reelected. But just to give you a little background on her commitment to helping us, even though she lost the election last month, you know, she's been working with us right up to her last day trying to uh, influence Secretary Fudge on the importance of Firestop and Firestop inspections. And as we get into the new year, we're going to continue to have meetings um, with HUD officials and driving home the, the aspect of, you know, making sure that these fire stop systems are properly installed in their HUD buildings. And it's so important that it, that it, it, it gets done. And uh, to be able to have buildings that are safe for these families to live in, to me, is paramount. And the fact of uh, that we're bringing this to their attention, I hope and I do pray that we can eliminate these unfortunate, unnecessary uh, deaths that happen in our buildings. Pete, it makes a whole lot of sense. Common sense. We're talking about fire stop inspection in public buildings and also the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act. Right now, it's H.R. 9419. That may change in the new Congress. We'll keep you posted. Pete Almini, on behalf of the International Association of Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers, LMCT, where he serves as executive director. Website is mechanicalinsulatorslmct.com. Pete, you take care, my brother, and uh, stay safe and a happy new year. We'll talk to you in 2023. Okay, my brother? Take care, Flash. Happy new year to you and everybody else. All right, we're going to take a quick break. James Bryant, on behalf of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com.
It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Org. The heat and frost insulators and allied workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. Buildings bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Iron Workers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 iron workers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union iron workers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our iron workers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to Kentucky right now. And joining us on line number two is Mr. James Brandt. James is president of Teamsters Local 651. And they have about 3,000 members. They're based in Lexington, Kentucky. Jim was on the show a couple months back. We were talking about the the new leadership with the Teamsters. Sean O'Brien took over in March of this year. And I'll tell you, they've been been pretty active. And next year is going to be a true test here because we have a contract that's coming to an end Jim, is it at the end of July or middle of July? When does the uh, UPS contract come to, come to an end? Uh, UPS contract comes to an end August the 1st. August the 1st. Okay, so the end of yes. July, August 1. Yes, yes. These, this is a pretty long – isn't this like a four- or five-year contract, something like that? Uh, that would be a five-year contract is what we're on. That's okay. what it's been for several contracts. I think we had a six-year contract one time I was part of. The package division, I, I can't believe how many divisions there are in the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Almost 20 different divisions, and the newest one is Amazon. I know you're doing everything possible to organize that facility. In fact, I was talking at the beginning of the show about all the injuries in Amazon warehouses. New York passed a law that's going to rein that in. Boy, we need more states to follow that lead, and obviously if we unionize these Amazon facilities, things will change. But I want to concentrate on UPS here. So uh, UPS, especially during the pandemic, they, they I'm sure they're making a whole lot of dough here and a uh, very successful company. Uh, 
And I recall talking to one of the drivers some months back. And here we are. We have bitter cold and we had extreme heat over the summer where the uh, the trucks, I mean, it was they were talking like 125, 130 degrees in some of these trucks. Can you bring us up to speed on where we are with these negotiations? I know this is very, very important to the to the Teamsters. Jim, go ahead. Well, the contract negotiations for our supplements across the country start February, February 1st, and then uh, the national contract begins um, April 1st. So, you know, they've not technically started yet. So they're they're, they're just right around the corner. And uh, the the, uh, supplements... Uh, in years past, under Hoffa, those con- uh, the supplements were negotiated after the national. Well, you know, we always went well over negotiations of August 1st and always had an extension. And uh, so our supplements were way down the road getting passed. And uh, this time, uh, Sean O'Brien has told UPS, look, we, all this will be done. Our workers will have a contract to vote on. Uh, August the 1st, or we walk, and the supplements will be negotiated and uh, before the um, national contract. So that is good to get all that done and to know that we're going to have a contract August 1st if UPS doesn't want the workers to walk. And if they walk, how many workers are we taught? I know this is the largest division for the Teamsters. I mean, hundreds of thousands of members, I understand, right? Uh, uh, it's a large, yeah, I mean, it makes up a large portion of the Teamsters. And, uh, uh, you know, and look, nobody wants to go on strike. Um, uh, but uh, UPS, I think, has taken their new leader very serious, and Sean O'Brien. Really? <laughs> yes. Now, what what makes you say that? I I know he's a fireball. I'm I'm hearing all kind of stories on this, but uh, it, well, it sounds like he's coming out of the gate on fire here. Well, the the number one reason is um, the the membership believes in him, and uh, he's all over the country, and uh, getting people uh, to believe in him. Uh, people just don't believe in someone for just by accident. He's uh-huh. doing, you know, he's going around there, and he's uh, he's actually getting on the ground with folks, and uh, and I think people people are hungry for uh, for for this, and uh, because we've gone for we, we've got a lot of problems with our contract, and uh, that were that were done over several contracts in the last probably twenty years with contracting, and you know we got this terrible that's that's the feeder department with the semis you see going down the road. Um, and the 22-4 classification is uh, is a big one with package cars. Uh, so we have a lot of problems that have festered over two or three contracts that uh, that people want fixed. People want to see them fixed. And Sean O'Brien came along, and uh, he's doing the right things, and uh, he's a hell of a leader. That's interesting. So in a couple of months here, you you mentioned February. It, it's all going to start. The deadline's going to be the end of uh, July on here. Um, what are you hearing from uh, from UPS? It, it sounds like they realize there's a new sheriff in town and they better take him seriously. That, that's the impression I'm getting. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, that's the impression that I get. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't have any direct talks with UPS or anything like that. Uh, but I do sitting across the table from you know UPS labor. Uh, I can tell 
there's a new attitude with them as to the respect they have for the Teamsters as to opposed, you know, with the previous administration before Sean, took, Sean and Fred took office. So uh, that's that. That's the only indication I get. You know, I don't ever talk with them directly with issues. Yeah, I understand. Now you have uh, three thousand members, and about half of them work at UPS. Is that still pretty accurate? That, that's 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 pretty accurate. Yes. And where where are the other members in? Uh, in other the members, uh, we have car haulers, which is a national contract across the country. We have uh, the freight contract, which is made up by T-Force, which used to be UPS Freight. Uh, we have uh, Yellow Freight, and uh, we have ABF. That's the okay. national contracts. And then uh, we have several white paper contracts, which are like Georgia Pacific, uh, things of that nature, uh, Aramark, uh, Dr. Pepper Snapple, um, um, let's see, I'm uh, Ryder. Uh, I'm going to leave somebody out, but roughly we have several companies like that. Uh, uh, Bimbo Bread, uh, just just other companies across. I'm sure I'm Pepsi. We have Pepsi as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few other companies. I'm sure I'm leaving out because you put me on the spot. But, well, uh, but yeah, I, I get yeah, it. We have I get it. Contracts. There's so many. There's so many divisions of the Teamsters. It's it's mind-boggling. So uh, those other divisions, how are they faring in at 6:51 right now, James? We're doing well. We've uh, during the uh, during, uh, while we've had inflation and whatnot, we've we've uh, renegotiated uh, pay in, in existing contracts. We've got a lot of folks in white paper contracts. The pay increases dur- during uh, inf- the inflation, and uh, you know I'm, you're talking two dollars more on the hour. We've negotiated some good contracts during the inflation. Uh, got people uh, a, lo- a, a pretty good pay increase. And uh, because, you know, you see folks just can't find, uh, you know, when you have g- gas as high as it is, the cost of living with groceries, and, you know, folks can't make it, and uh, they have to get people to work. And so we we negotiate uh, folks more money. So we've had success with that. Uh, and uh, negotiating, I have a great uh, uh, lead negotiator in our union hall, and uh, Joe Lance, and uh I couldn't do it without him, and uh, but we've had some good success with our white paper contracts in the in the, this past year. That's good to hear. Well, you know, 2022. I mean, there's just a couple of days left in the year, and from everything that I've been reading, and I get a lot from the AFL CIO, it's been a tremendous year for organizing. We had some good policy that came out of the uh, out of the White House. I mean, we've got a labor secretary that gets it, that understands what unions do. Um, yeah. Going into 2023, and I, I know you touched on UPS, but and the fact that you've got a new leader, I mean, with, with Sean O'Brien, you got to feel pretty good going into the new year and beyond. And, and obviously, you got 3,000 members in 650, in 651. you got to be thinking, well, maybe now with the climate the way it is, we can shoot that up to 4,000, maybe 5,000. How, how do you feel about uh, moving forward here, James? Well, that, that is definitely the goal. Um, I was thinking that when you were talking. Um, you know, we, we just attempted uh, to organize Woodford Reserve, and um, we came up short in the workers' votes, but we still well, – we're under – it's under uh, NLRB charges because there's certain laws involved with organizing and uh, – they, 
and and it's our our um, position that they they did that, and uh, we have a really good chance of uh, having another election or possibly just sitting down negotiating another contract. Uh, but we're going on. We've got five more companies that we're uh, starting to look at. And I, uh, they're at the point where I can't really mention those companies, you know, publicly right now. But yes, you have to you have to organize. You have to co- constantly organize. Because, for example, we have uh, Emerson, which used to be a Ventix, was bought out by a German company, and. This was uh, a couple years ago. They decided they're going to move out, so they're still in the process of moving out of there. And it's a shame because the company was there since 1972. Switched a few different hands and whatnot. But um, so you have that's my point in saying that is you have to constantly be organizing because companies, you know, over time come and go. And mm-hmm. uh, I got some advice from from uh, Fred Zuckerman, which is a tre- secretary treasurer. Um, you know, he's strong on organizing. Sean is too. But, yeah. uh, you know, you just have to keep organizing because you'll have companies that'll that'll go out of business. You'll have companies that'll move, and you have to constantly be trying to grow. And that's another thing that the IBT has not done uh, under the Hoffa administration that uh, our new administration and Sean O'Brien is, is – uh, that's all they want to do is grow. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you can't go wrong with that. And if they send that message, that's what everybody wants to do. And, and they have a good, good programs, uh, training, um, uh, in the organizing and, uh, they have an organizing department that it offers help anytime you need it. And, uh, so it helps when you have the support of the IBT to do these things. That's what you want. We want to yeah. grow. James, you take care. Thank you so much for the update over there. We'll keep our eye on those negotiations at uh, United Parcel Service, which start in a little over like four or five weeks from now. James Bryant, president, Teamsters Local 651, based in Lexington, Kentucky. Teamsters651.org is your website. You uh, stay safe. Happy New Year to you, brother, and we'll talk in uh, 2023, okay? You do the same. Thank you. That's it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we're going to check in with the electrical workers, Local 38 in Cleveland, Ohio, and the latest from the Valley Labor Report out of Alabama. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.